Welcome back to the Hawks Report, everyone. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the Hawks Bee Reporter here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, giving you the stories behind the score. As usual, it's the NBA season, which means it's another big week for the Hawks. And I think we should start off by saying that Trey Young was not among the all-star starters that were announced on Thursday night. But, of course, Danielle and I will be here to talk about it with you guys, among other things that happened over the last week. But we're going to take a short break. If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to rate, subscribe, like, wherever it is you guys get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the AJC. Daniel Salerson, no Trey Young among the starters in the Eastern Conference for the All-Star Game. No, and I'm really not surprised based on who was named a starter for the Eastern Conference as far as the guards, Damian Lillard and Tyrese Halliburton, two guys, one Lillard's a very popular player, also a very good player, number one. But I do remember, I think last week, wasn't Trey ahead of Damian Lillard as far as the standings were concerned? So maybe the the fans in Milwaukee decided to spend their days clicking on Damian Lillard, 24 hours straight, 48 hours straight, whatever it was to get him over the hump so um congrats to him and then Halburn, i think was getting in no matter what he had a pretty substantial lead there and number one and he definitely deserves it even with the injury he's had one heck of a season for the pacers so a little surprising for the fact that lillard was able to jump but it's also not just the fan voting it's also i think the fan voting is what 50 percent of it fan and voting players, is 50 percent players 25. 25 and then also there's the media vote of another 25%. So when I was looking at some of the media who released how they voted for the all-star game, you know, Trey Young was not really among them. A lot of people were actually looking to pick Tyrese Maxey, um, who is also another guy who is deserving of uh, an all-star nod. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing with all-stars. This league is so talented and there are a lot of people or a lot of players excuse me in this batch of of players um you know i think there are what 450 plus players in the nba and only 10 of them are named all-star starters um with another what 10 more being named to the reserve so it's a competitive league and that's not to say that trey young is totally out of it you know he he still can get voted in by the NBA coaches as a reserve. And, you know, he has a good shot with that being, as you mentioned, second in the fan voting for a couple of weeks. But, you know, I think part of it is, one, how much he's kind of 
dipped off since his huge month in December. You know, his his stats haven't been as strong as they were then, but then you have to factor in. He's been dealing with a bunch of injuries and playing through that sort of stuff. And again, by no means am I a Trey Young apologist. I'm not, you know, try it, but you have to factor that stuff in that he has been playing hurt. And then, you know, he's finally forced to rest, so to speak, after going into the NBA's concussion protocol last Saturday. So, you know, the injuries were catching up to him. And so it's only... I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is that it's not totally surprising that he's his he's cooled off a little bit. I know it's not like the MVP voting where I think winning matters, but in this sense, if you look at the five guys in the East and the five guys in the West, Pacers are doing really well. Lillard and Antetokounmpo on the Bucks are doing really well. Mm-hmm. Philly with Joel Embiid, Boston, Jason Tatum. You go to the mm-hmm. West and you have LeBron James with the Lakers. Yeah, they're the really ones that are struggling. Kevin Durant's sons are playing really well. Jokic, Nuggets, Mavs, Doncic, Thunder, Shea Gilders, Alexander. Do you think the lack of winning also may have had something to do with it, or is that just overanalyzing? I think the lack of winning, particularly, you know, with media votes, probably played a factor just because of the record. And it's hard to say again, it's it's hard to sort of argue with who ended up in you know the starting group or who was even in the pool you know in the initial returns when you look at some of the guards that were in that group a a lot of those teams were top eight or better and Trey Young was kind of one of the lone anomalies that was on a team that was so up and down and so Again, that's not to say that he's not deserving because he plays, he's been playing really, really well this season. It's earned him a nod in the Team USA basketball initial player pool for the Summer Olympics coming up. And and so it's just one of those things where it's, again, it's a competitive league. And I, I do think, you know, you know maybe a, a, among the media vote, it probably came down to you know, how are they impacting their team overall? And it's hard to argue that, you know, Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard haven't had a huge impact on their team's record. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree with you. I think everyone that made it in the East and even in the West definitely deserved their position there as an all-star starter. I also think mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little overblown as far as whether you're a starter. I think a lot of people... When you talk about players, you say he's an eight-time All-Star. A lot of times you don't go, he's an eight-time All-Star, four-time starter. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that matters. It's just you're an All-Star. Moment, you're an All-Star. No one is going to measure 20-time All-Star, oh, but he only started two times. So what does that mm-hmm. matter? You're an All-Star. So I think Trey deserves an All-Star nod, and hopefully he gets one when they announce it. But at the same time, I'm mm-hmm. not really concerned about whether he's a starter. I know. For the fans, you know, it's cool, you know, being an Atlanta fan when you hear his name from the Atlanta Hawks. Here's Trey Young. Like that part I get. And it's just like baseball. You want to see your Braves players in their uniforms or whatever it is. But um, I don't think it's the end all be all. But at the same time, it was a little surprising that Lillard was able to make the jump just because, I mean, this was just a week you know, ago I that we thought Trey Young had a comfortable lead. I, when, you know, I don't even really think about it. I don't think it's that surprising, you know, like I said, because 
The Bucks have been doing well. Dame has been playing really well. You look at what he was able to do over the last, I think, wasn't he named a play Eastern Conference Player of the Week mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago? So he's been having yes. a, a really solid month. So I'm not surprised that he made up ground. Plus, he was only 85,000 votes behind Trey. That's really not that much in the grand scheme of things. And even okay. if it's, you know, everybody votes for him, you know, once and, and nobody votes for Trey, <laughs> you know, that that like 85,000 people vote for him. Nobody votes for that. That makes up the ground. But then you factor in some of those three for one days. And then you factor in that, like you said, Milwaukee fans probably really showed up, particularly with everything that's been going on with the team and and just, again, how well he's been playing. It's not that surprising to me that he he made that kind of jump. And then also the Bucks are a team that's always in the national conversation. Well, I think uh, speaking of Trey Young, the Hawks were without Trey Young on this last West Coast swing, which is where Lauren is <laughs> trying to recover from after a couple days. Remember, I complained about this on the schedule, yep. the fact that you're only out there for two games. If you're going to be out there, be out there for a little longer. I'm sure you're glad to be home. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it's also draining going to the West Coast. So why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. We'll talk about the West Coast trip. It is the halfway point of the Hawks season. So we'll kind of dive into maybe give out some grades or just kind of our overall thoughts on how the Hawks have been in the first half of the season. But we'll take a break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the black mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. I just want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to AJC as well as AJC.com and obviously our listeners of this podcast. You guys continue to make what we are able to do possible. The AJC has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's access to the sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you also get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So as Daniel mentioned, we are 
at about the halfway point plus a couple of games and they're back from a West Coast trip. (laughs) I think (laughs) that perfectly kind of sums up just what's been going on in Hawksland for the last couple of games. You know, they've lost now three straight after falling to the Cavaliers last Saturday after a really exciting win over the Heat the night before. You know, they got out to a slow start on Monday when they faced the Kings, fought back, and, you know, looked like they had a chance. Um, They've been competing. I I think that's one thing that you can say about the Hawks team, minus a couple of games, is that they've continued to compete, you know, even though it's far from perfect. And then on Wednesday... They joined the Warriors in celebrating the life of Dejan Milojevic, who passed away last week suddenly. You know, the Warriors, that was their first game back since that tragic incident a week ago. And it's it's always tough when you have a game that's so emotionally charged but the Warriors, they they honored their coach in the best way they knew that they could, and, and they secured the win for, for him. I mean, the Hawks gave them a competitive game for, I don't know, Daniel, maybe the first 15, 20, yeah, t- yeah, 24 minutes, maybe a, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 30, 30 minutes, 32 minutes, <laughs> you know, about halfway through the third quarter, and then it kind of started to fall apart from there. But I think one of the big things, though, for me is I felt like the starters did everything that they could. You know, we you see a guy like Jalen Johnson have 21 points against the Warriors. He kind of had a rough outing against the Kings, if we're honest. You know, you see Sadiq Bey look like he's getting his stroke back. He hits three three-pointers in the first half, and then things kind of cool down when everybody else's shots stop falling. And then, you know, DeJounte Murray continues to be on a tear. Bogdan Bogdanovich also scored in double figures, despite being definitely affected by, you know, everything. He was close to Milojevic and it's it's a tough situation to be in, but I think one of the big things that these couple of games have shown me is the Hawks just, they have no depth. And as much as you want to give guys like Garrison Matthews credit for, you know, playing hard and, and giving them, you know, quite a bit of energy on the defensive end, he's still impacting the game. He still gives them a couple of shots from three, you know, every single night and then, Trent Forrest, you know, he gives them size on the defensive end. Oftentimes they're putting him up against the team's better (laughs) or best player. You know, he had the assignment of trying to guard Steph Curry last night or on Wednesday night. And then it was De'Aaron Fox on on Monday. So it's tough. But if you and quite a few people have said it and and I've talked about it with a number of people over the last couple of weeks when the injury bug really hit the Hawks. But if they were on a Warriors team, if they were on the Bucks, if they were on the Celtics, they likely would not be getting as many minutes as they have been. And so it just, again, it it really highlights how little the Hawks did this offseason because they didn't bolster the bench in 
in any way. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the running it back approach is not paying off for this team. I want to go to the bench for the Kings game, and you mentioned the lack of depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, here are the four guys who came off the bench. Okongwu, mm-hmm. Patty Mills, Garrison Matthews, Trent mm-hmm. Forrest. You have Trey Young out, mm-hmm. you have DeAndre Hunter out. Mm-hmm. You also have Sadiq Bey, who is in a huge, yeah. massive shooting slump. slump. And mm-hmm. I think that's an understatement just based on his statistics. Mm-hmm. So with that, I mean, you're right. They're just lacking so much firepower mm-hmm. and your spark hasn't been playing because of concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. And so it's just tough when you don't have the type of weapons that maybe you thought you were going to have or maybe thought the cohesion mm-hmm. and what you brought back would be good enough. But you also were a playing team. Yep. And you got rid of John Collins. Mm-hmm. But other than that, what really moves did you make besides Wesley Matthews, Patty Mills? I mean, you're just relying on Jalen Johnson. He struggled mm-hmm. against the Kings. But yeah, it's just been tough. So yeah, I'm not sure. Go ahead. Oh, no. Finish your thought, please. No, I'm just saying I'm not sure what they're going to do in the next few weeks mm-hmm. to rectify the situation or just kind of, you know, sell the farm. But I'm curious to see what direction they go in because 18 and 26 mm-hmm. heading into Friday's matchup against the Mavericks, still technically in 10th, but yep. they are slowly moving down the standings. Yeah. And. It's also tough because when you look at the other teams that they've played this season, it's been a consistent thing that they've been outscored in bench points in at least maybe, you know, nine of the last 10 games, which is absurd. I mean, last night, or excuse me, I keep saying last night, we're recording on Thursday, so it's like my mind is still obviously in the present tense usually we try to for background we try to speak in a little bit of future tense but also past tense anyway so Wednesday night it just it was so stark seeing the difference between the Warriors bench and what they were able to do particularly led by Kaminga who had 23 points off the bench but not even just that, because, I mean, Kaminga had uh, like 10 points at halftime, but they had a, a rookie in Pokachevsky who has been absolutely tearing it up off the bench for them. And so it just highlights how, you know, the Hawks have not I, I'm not I'm not sure what it is that they need to prioritize when they're looking at players to kind of fill out the reserves for them. But What they've done so far is not quite it. (laughs) And, you know, they they had a really good game from Patty Mills, who, you know, had 13 points coming off of the bench. But, you know, that should have been bolstered by another person giving, you know, some double-figure score. You know, whether that's Okongu, who has been, Onyeka Okongu, who's been a little bit on the colder side in some of these games, or, uh, you know, they you think about it, obviously if injuries had not happened, Sadiq Bey and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, and theory, you know, they would, be, they would be coming off the bench. But the fact of the matter is most good teams, you can never plan for injuries, but you can anticipate that somebody is going to deal with something, some bump or bruise. And you have to make sure that you, one, are either doing a better job of developing some of these players so that they are NBA ready 
and can handle the the significant minutes or you're finding better veterans who can contribute now and um, keep the ship afloat. All right. So before we get out of here, get you ready for Mavericks and Hawks, a.k.a. Rivalry Week. We already talked about that last week, so we're not going to talk about it this week. (laughs) Um, Halfway point, Mm -hmm. whether it's a grade or an assessment, what would you give us your analysis on? If you want to give a grade, give me a grade. Hawks midseason report card. Uh, Hawks midseason report card. I'm going to just give them a B. They haven't been great. They haven't been great, but they haven't been terrible. Minus a few performances. Like I said, they continue to compete. They're making games close as they can, all things considered. It's just a consistency thing. So I feel like a B is kind of the perfect. I mean, granted, I could say C, but I'm not. I I can't be mean. So you must be grading on a curve. Yeah. I can't. I can't. This is why I could never be a professor. I get too attached and then I feel bad. So, yeah, I I feel like a B is, is sufficient. They're working with what they have. They've competed. Consistency has been their issue, which is not something that's new. Um, We've seen some better defensive performances out of them as late. They're not giving up as many points as they were at the beginning of the season. Well, the last three is 134, 122, 116. 116 is not that bad. But I mean, before that, like Miami, they only gave up like, what, 105? 108. 108. 104 to Orlando, mm-hmm. 99 to San Antonio. So see see what I mean? So yeah, so we've seen some better defensive performances out of them. Does that mean that they're perfect defensive players? No, there's still growth, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like a B is okay. I feel like a B is okay. I would have loved to have you as my teacher. <laughs> then I probably would have passed more classes. I'm going C minus. I really am. Just because I think they are I think they've underachieved. Mm-hmm. Um I thought at least running it back with the Quinn Snyder as the full-time head coach, a full training camp. Granted, we have lost team players with injury. Mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson was out for a while. Trey Young has battled injuries. DeAndre Hunter has battled injuries. At the same time, this team should be better what it is. And I know you talk about the defense and those points allowed in those three games that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But on that, there are three games that they've lost in the last three. 116, 122, 134. You beat the Sixers in overtime. They allow 132. They allow 126 to the Pacers. They lost to the Wizards 127 to 99. They left 150 to the Pacers twice this year. Like 138 to OKC. So what you're saying is my jet lag is making me too nice. Yes. So um, I'm going to disagree. Respectfully disagree. It's okay. You can be disrespectful. I deserve it. No, I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm going to respectfully <laughs> say that I don't agree with you <laughs> and give it a C minus, but it's okay. Yeah. Again, the jet lag is kicking in. That's why we got to wrap things up, but it's not been a great week for the Hawks. They do get some home cooking now that they are back home. We'll see what they can do against the Dallas Mavericks. And then after that, before we meet next time, it'll be the Toronto Raptors on Sunday and then a big one against LeBron and the Lakers next Tuesday. And then that will be it before our next show, which would be next Friday as well. 
as they welcome in the Phoenix Suns. So a tough, a tough homestand for the Hawks here. And who knows what this team is going to look like. We already saw the Heat make a move with Terry Rozier a couple of days ago. I think as we approach February, with the deadline being the 8th, things are uh, going to be rocking and rolling in the NBA. So we'll be here to cover it all for you. We'll let Lauren get some rest. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, for Lauren, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.